0: If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada At participating McDonald's. Tonight on
1: the Vote Black News Weekly. The environmental injustice
2: is environmental oppression. Environmental racism.
1: From lead in our water to polluted air in our communities, Black America takes environmental injustice to task.
3: What we need to do is really look at these issues, understand that they are all connected, and then work towards solutions.
1: Then many say, save, save, save with cryptocurrency. But is there a crash? We break it all down.
4: Like I was saying, it's FTX. It's a safe and easy way to get into crypto. Yeah, I don't think so.
3: We've always known Hustle was destined for greatness. This moment only amplifies
1: that for us. As Nipsey received his Hollywood flowers on the Walk of Fame.
5: All that as the Black News Revolution starts right now.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm guest host Rochelle Ritchie. Tonight, we are starting with an issue that has the culture fired up environmental injustice. Black people have historically bared the burden of environmental threats. Well, now the Biden administration has signed legislation to help with that. But is it really enough to make a difference? That is tonight's top story.
3: There is a long-standing history of something called environmental racism in the United States. And that is the systematic and intentional targeting of people of color communities for environmental hazards and hazardous waste. Across the United
1: States, research shows that Black communities are subjected to vastly higher levels of pollution than white communities. It's environment injustice is environmental oppression. Environmental racism. It's an injustice that is being compounded by climate change, which environmentalists say will lead to more
3: flooding, poor air quality, and extreme heat in urban areas, which lack green spaces. Poor air quality is going to further exacerbate health outcomes for the Black community.
0: We're not breathing the same air. We are breathing hazardous air, harmful air. We shouldn't have to suffer this way.
1: Air quality is particularly hazardous in black communities surrounded by oil refineries like Boxtown and Memphis.
4: In the South Memphis area, we do see a disproportionate amount of pneumonias, bronchitis, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, and air pollution is probably the largest environmental factor. In those diseases,
1: and then there's Cancer Alley, an 85-mile stretch of land along the Mississippi River in Louisiana, surrounded by over 150 oil refineries,
3: plastic plants, and chemical facilities. Race has. Continuously been the single most significant indicator of whether a person is going to live near these toxic facilities. What we need to do is really look at these issues, understand that they are all connected, and then work towards solutions.
1: Yet, Black Americans have largely been left out of the climate change conversation. A 2018 survey by Dorsita Taylor of the University of Michigan shows that within the more than 2,000 environmental nonprofits. 85%
3: of the staff are white. We have the most at stake. So I believe that it's really important for the black community to learn about these issues and get involved in their local communities and hold officials accountable to the harms that have been contributed over countless, countless years.
0: Environmental injustice is just as racist as you know, as slavery to me because your health is your wealth.
1: But change is in the air. In June of last year, the EPA announced a $50 million fund for environmental justice initiatives. And in May, Attorney General Merrick Garland announced the first ever Office of Environmental Justice, which will be headed by Dr. Sharonda Buchanan.
6: We'll prioritize the cases that will have the greatest impact on the communities most overburdened by environmental harm.
1: And most recently, the newly passed climate bill will lower pollution by helping to overhaul the energy grid with renewables and provides $60 billion to address the disproportionate burden of pollution
3: in black and brown communities. We have seen almost 15 different states implement their own environmental justice laws that are working to rectify past harm. And the federal government is working on a project called Justice 40, which is all about distributing at least 40% of benefits um, related to climate investments to communities that have been directly impacted by environmental hazards and hazardous waste.
5: What do we want? We
1: want
0: it! We want, want. What do we want? Yeah. We
1: want. But the most important factor in
3: turning environmental injustice to justice is the inclusion of black people. A lot of that money and a lot of those investments are going to go into our communities, which is another reason why we need to get involved in decision making and make sure that we are in those rooms to make sure that that money is being used in our communities.
1: Joining me for more on this are Reverend Lennox Yearwood, Jr., climate activist, president and CEO of the Hip Hop Caucus, environmental staff attorney Ariel King, and political director of Georgia Young Republicans, Nina Blackwelder. Thank you all for joining us here on Revolt. Reverend Yearwood, I'm starting with you. Does the climate bill truly address environmental injustice in black neighborhoods?
6: It does. It, It creates the largest investment toward environmental justice in this country's history. It puts forth billions of dollars to address issues that will impact for clean air and clean water, issues ensuring that we can fight back against asthma and emphysema and cancer. It puts forth things for tax credits, which is exciting, for electric vehicles, and also for building solar on our homes. But while it does that, and while it's historic, it also puts forth gas and oil leases in our communities, such as Appalachia and the Gulf Coast. So on one hand, while it does good, on the other hand, it does some bad as well.
1: But some people might say that this, you know, this climate bill doesn't really address the issues in the Black community, because when you're talking about electric vehicles and solar panels, I mean, a lot of Black people simply cannot afford that. Nina, I see you nodding in agreement. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'm right there with you. I think that it's fantastic that we're making moves towards having a a healthier and greener community and and national space, but we're talking about credits for items that have large purchase ticket tags. Um, I'm not sure I know anyone
5: who's full solar, and I only know a handful of people with electric cars, and then this doesn't really do much to, uh, uh, excuse me, to address the infrastructure. This is fantastic. We're seeing electric
1: car credits, but where's the nearest electric charging station to your nearest minority community. These are, are, are great ideas, but I feel like the implementation is lacking, and I feel like it wasn't followed the way through. I think this is a lot of lip service. I think this is really going to turn into a tax and spend bill. But um, I'm hopeful uh, that there will be positive pieces to this bill, but I don't foresee this as something that just helps the minority communities. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the numbers, you're talking about $60 billion total and $3 billion of that is actually going to go towards communities impacted by air pollution and things like that. We'll see if that money actually makes it there. Ariel, I want to get with you. Um, We know that environmental injustice and climate change are linked, but, you know, telling that story or explaining that to black people might be a little challenging. How can we do that?
3: Um, First, it starts with us. If we are not advocating for ourselves and making sure that we are getting involved in decision-making processes, then we're going to continue to be forgotten as there are going to be new infrastructure laws, new laws like the one that was just passed recently. Um, We must be involved in this movement or else we will be forgotten and there will be a perpetuation of environmental injustice. Recently the Environmental Protection Agency said that if global temperature raises by two degrees Celsius then black people are going to be significantly more likely to be harmed by those increased temperatures than any other community and so it starts with us and we have to be involved no matter what level of involvement we've had before.
1: And see, that's what I mean, Reverend Yearwood, is that we're we're hearing things about temperature, right? And for black people, they're like, look, I lived in a community where a lot of us were infected with lead poisoning or we are living next door to, you know, uh, plants that are now shut down, but the air is still very toxic. That's what I mean. It seems like the conversation doesn't really fit a black narrative or a black audience. How do we change that and make sure that our issues are being addressed?
6: Well, let me push back respectfully on on that one. The climate crisis is our issue. Climate justice is racial justice and racial justice is climate justice. This is our issue uh, because the reality that I'm from Louisiana. So when you're from the Gulf Coast, uh, the issue of Hurricane Katrina, we're the ones who are left behind to suffer this climate crisis. We're the ones on the front lines. And so the issue regarding uh, the climate everybody loves mcdonald's fries so yes you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home um but the bag did feel a little light and greenhouse gas emissions that's us
1: you make very good points there, obviously, to show, like, it's very difficult for black people, even whether it's, you know, fighting against a company or gas uh, company that's in the middle of your neighborhood or fighting against Mother Nature. It's a constant challenge for black people. I want to thank Reverend Yearwood, Ariel King, and Nina Blackwelder. Thank you so much for joining us here on Revolt Black News Weekly. Coming up, the conversation about crypto and whether it's still the safest fiscal bet. That's next. Company. Welcome back. Now, these challenging economic times has everybody counting their coins, and for Gen Z, cryptocurrency seems like a winning strategy, with some saying the digital currency remains stronger than ever. But is it worth the risk, and what's at stake?
2: Things were down from, you know, losing anywhere from 60 to 70 to 80 to even 90% of their value.
1: Since its height in November of 2021, the crypto market has lost $2 trillion in value. That's two-thirds of its total. And many who invested during the pandemic are incurring steep losses.
6: Unfortunately,
7: there were a lot of individuals that got a little overzealous, right, and started to invest money that they didn't have to invest.
4: Like I was saying, it's FTX. It's a safe and easy way
1: to get into crypto. Yeah, I don't think so. Thanks to pricey ads starring celebrities like Larry David and Matt Damon, crypto was all the craze and a get-rich-quick strategy in 2021.
4: Fortune favors the brave.
1: And many in the black community jumped in. According to Charles Schwab, 25% of black people own crypto compared to just 15% of whites.
2: With any new technology, there's going to be risk. And the risk is, is that you don't understand what it is that you're, you're you're getting involved in, and you may get burned.
1: And many investors did get burned, falling prey to crypto scams totaling over $1 billion. Some were reportedly enticed by social media posts from influencers like Kim Kardashian, who is in legal trouble for pumping a scam coin called Ethereum Max to her millions of followers.
2: Oftentimes what happens is... Uh, they'll make an agreement with uh, with a company or a project and say, hey, will you promote this? And so they'll hype it up, not really understanding what the technology is, not really
7: able being able to really speak to it. That's why I think moving forward, the education factor is really going to be important. So now, you know, individuals will make a shrewd investment rather than just, you know, following the, the next celebrity or, or the next Instagram post that looks cool.
1: But not all celebs are out to make a quick buck. Some, like Akon with his A-Coin, are doing legitimate work in the space.
7: He's doing a phenomenal job uh, with the coin that he created and, you know, bringing power to Africa using the same base technology.
1: According to our experts, crypto's crash is part of its natural growing phase. And the underlying technology, blockchain, has real-world value for educated investors, especially those in the black community who feel excluded from traditional wealth-building assets like stocks.
2: Does it provide an opportunity for us for uh, financial inclusion? Yes. Does it provide financial independence? Yes. But it's no good to us if we don't have our priorities together. Uh, about making sure that we work together as a group, make sure that we pool our resources and make sure that we build things that are beneficial to us and, and suit and meet our needs.
1: Here to join me for more on a deeper dive into the world of cryptocurrency is host of Maconomics, Revolts' very own Ross Mack, and the chairman of the Cryptocurrency Task Force of Dade County, Elijah John Beaudre. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Beaudre, I'm going to start with you. We've got inflation hitting harder than ever before. Prices are skyrocketing. The cost of food is at its highest since 1979. Is now really a good time to start investing in crypto?
4: To make a short answer, um, I definitely would say yes. Um, The financial systems of this country uh, are like a house of cards, kind of built on a mound of sand. And the blockchain is like a meteor that's crash landed into the economic oceans of the world. Underneath the horizon, there's there's a a tsunami that's coming um, that's going to affect everyone. And um, the best time to buy is when prices are low. But the first thing to do is always invest in um, your own education and understanding of it and um, having an a, a understanding of your own position so you can make the best decisions uh, for you and your family.
1: Now, Ross, I want to get your take on that. What do you think? Is this the best time for people to actually take what little money they have and put it into something that's not really guaranteed?
8: I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, you always want to ask yourself, you know, what is your one? What is your investment horizon, right? If you ask yourself, should I have bought when Bitcoin was close to 70000 you know, the end of last year, I would tell you no. Right. But if you ask me today is now Bitcoin in the, t- the low 20,000 range is now a good time. And then I would say yes. Right. I think smart investors buy when prices are low, uh, young, uneducated investors, unfortunately, have bad timing and they enter the market after, you know, several people might go on Instagram or, you know, TikTok saying, hey, I'm buying this. Right. And I think, you know, just like the gentleman said, right. You want to buy when prices are low. So the the correct answer in something like that is yes, right? Granted that one, you've done enough education, you've done your due diligence. Two, you believe that you know this asset that I'm buying is going to appreciate long term, right? If you look at the price of Bitcoin right now, um, and you look at it from where where it's fallen from its highs, you got to just look at Bitcoin from a historical context. Eight times has Bitcoin fallen by either 50 percent or more. Those first seven times. It, is rec- it has recovered each time and gone on to make new highs, right? We're in that eighth time right now. We're in that new cycle, right? We're currently in crypto winter. But if you're a person that believes, you know what, I want to own some of the best cryptocurrencies for long term, then what better price entry point than it is right now?
1: Now, Elijah, you're the chairman of a task force for cryptocurrency. What are some of the implications that you've seen coming out of the pandemic?
4: The pandemic kind of forced everyone to take a, a stop and a reset. Uh, and us going into our homes um, really kind of just furthered up uh, this um, um, digital revolution. Mobile meetings with, with Zoom, um, using touchless, cashless payments, um, and just kind of leaning more into technology, period, uh, as people use their lives, obviously raises the the need for a digital currency and something that's secure. Our whole entire life is being transmuted uh, onto the Internet and uh, digitally. Bitcoin and subsequent cryptocurrencies are new currency of, of that world. It's not just the price. So people talk about the price up, the price is down. Um, what we're, our message is, and what my message is, uh, the, implica- the implications for it are much broader. Uh, so Miami-Dade County will make world history as the first crypto county in America, the first ones to already take uh, accept crypto payments or pay their our employees in crypto, Some uh, have retirement benefits that are are converted into different cryptocurrencies. And the next phase will be actually the blockchain applications, which is I'm really excited for.
1: Ross, I want to ask you this question. We hear about crypto all the time, right? But a lot of people don't understand it. And when you're hearing that Bitcoin was at one point seventy thousand, is now twenty thousand, people are literally thinking that they have to spend that much money in order to invest in crypto. So what are some of the misconceptions about how much you really need to have in order to make a profit? And that question is for Ross
8: first. When you hear the price that either bitcoins at seventy thousand or twenty three or twenty four thousand right now, that is to own one physical Bitcoin. However, Us as investors, you don't have to own one full Bitcoin. You can own fractions of it. You can own one tenth, one one hundredth, one one thousandth. It doesn't matter. So if you would only have a hundred dollars, you can buy a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin. And at the time, whatever that valuation is, that is that will be the fraction of that Bitcoin that you own. So similar. And I think, you know, people moving forward are, are very, you know, acclimated to this form of investing, especially with Robinhood, where they gave you the ability to own a piece of a company, right? Where you couldn't technically maybe own all of Amazon when it was, you know, thousands of dollars uh a few months ago, but now it's only in the hundreds now. But I I also want to just say one point, right? And we were talking about when is the correct time to actually buy an asset, right? Ask yourself, right, always look at the writing on the wall. Just about a week ago, you had BlackRock, which is the largest asset manager, manage $10 trillion. They are now saying we're gonna get heavier into Bitcoin. They're gonna, they're opening they, they want to allow their institutional clients to now be able to own it. And so I always look and I say, you know, when unfortunately uh, us people of color, right, when we see, oh, Bitcoin has fallen from 70,000, let me sell. Once again, I want to m- bring it back to the point when I was saying some of the more experienced, intelligent investors, they look at this as the perfect buying opportunity. Yeah,
1: yeah and then my last question, I want to ask, you know, um, Elijah, the digital currency, is it something that's really helping or could it potentially harm the black community. And I got about 10 seconds to let you answer that.
4: We never had a chance like this ever. All black people, uh, people period, should learn about crypto and blockchain and invest in it. Take the $10, $100, put it in, because once it's in there, you're gonna start watching it. And when you watch it, you wanna read, well, why did it go up? Why did it go down? That knowledge is gonna bring you deeper in. We were redlined before. We couldn't buy houses. We didn't have stockbrokers. We we were shut out of so many different economic uh, uh, opportunities because no access. But everybody has a phone. We cannot miss this chance. Buy it now. Buy Bitcoin and learn about crypto today.
1: All right. The Crypto Kings. Thank you so much, Ross, Mac and Elijah, for
0: joining us. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's.
1: Moving on to the legal headlines, Kobe Bryant's widow, Vanessa, is taking her lawsuit against the Los Angeles County Sheriff's and Fire Departments to a federal grand jury, and that kicks off our coverage of who's in the system. Inside Vanessa Bryant's legal battle as the widow of Kobe Bryant and her financial advisor are suing L.A. County for negligence and invasion of privacy. The lawsuit alleges that two days after the fatal crash that killed nine passengers, including Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, Sheriff's deputy Joey Cruz stored photos on his phone from the crash site which contained human remains and then showed those pictures to a friend. The Alto Valley and Mauser family settled their lawsuits for invasion of privacy and negligence against the county for 1.25 million each. They too accused county first responders of improperly sharing photos of their dead relatives. And rapper ASAP Rocky has pled not guilty to two counts of assault with a semi-automatic firearm. ASAP Rocky, whose real name is Raheem Mayers, is accused of firing multiple shots at a former friend in an encounter in Hollywood back in November of 2021. ASAP is expected to be arraigned as LAPD continues to investigate the case. Switching gears to the murder of George Floyd and the continued fight for justice, two Minneapolis police officers charged in George Floyd's killing rejected plea deals. Under the agreement, two Tao and J. Alexander King would have served three-year sentences. The trial for the former officers begins in October. We'll continue to stay on top of these stories. Keep it right here. There's much more Revolt Black News Weekly right after the break.
5: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kennedy Root. Time now for the latest entertainment headlines that are popping off in the remix.
6: I hope people get the message that there is a sort of educated curve in this film, teaching people about poaching and how bad it is for our planet and our, on our animals, especially across Africa.
5: Rochelle found out Idris's battle with the beast in theaters now almost looked a lot different.
6: I've gotta get my girls out of here. My real daughter actually auditioned for this role, and I remember oh, wow. Yeah, she did.
5: And if Idris isn't in the movies, DJ Elba is playing music. Who tops your
1: list to collaborate with?
6: I'm gonna put it out there just, you know, when Diddy's ready, I'm gonna collab with Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure girl. he will get the message. <laughs>
6: that would be, that would be, uh, that would be dope.
1: We've always known Hustle was destined for greatness. This moment
5: only amplifies that for us. After 14 years in the music business, the late Nipsey Hustle received his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. <laughs> Nipsey's longtime girlfriend, Lauren London, and their son, Cross, aka Baby Hussie, celebrated Hustle's iconic moment.
3: I don't care if these don't like me. I'm pretty as So I feel like I wanted to just take control of my narrative, take control of my own story, tell it my way, tell it,
2: you know, from
5: me. Megan Thee Stallion is finally in control on her sophomore album, Traumazine, as the new video for a racy new song, Her, goes viral. Tell your friends this, her, her, her
1: this hey giving me a pretty face.
5: Megan lost her number one fan, her mom Holly, to cancer in 2019, just as her music was gaining steam. The rising star tells Apple Music that tragic loss continues to haunt her.
3: When she would say, I did a good job, it would feel like, okay, I did it. <laughs> <Like, laughs> I did a good job. But now when I do, it's like... Okay. Like... What's next? Because I don't know if I'm doing that good of a job.
5: AK. And it's been a few years, but Nicki Minaj is ready to get freaky with the release of her new single, Super Freaky Girl. F-R-E.
3: Okay.
5: In breaking news, Lizzo's a runaway bride. Stunning in a white wedding gown draped around model Tyson Beckford, the video for To Be Loved is Lizzo's latest sure-to-be-hit single from her new album, Special.
7: Having someone like Issa as a big sister, not only on screen, but now in real life, call her about anything to help me through anything.
5: From Insecure to his own series, Send Help, on AMC's All Black, jean Ellie is proving he's a leading man.
7: How does your family feel about your career? My mom's Haitian, so if it's not General Hospital, she ain't checking for it.
5: I handle my own life. You work on yours. The dramedy's not afraid to go there when showing the struggles many Black men face with mental health, a sensitive subject John is unfortunately all too familiar with. You know
3: how I want me? Yeah, I'm fine. There's something going on with you. I can feel it.
5: In today's day and age, you know, black men are committing suicide at much higher rates. Um, it's an issue in our community.
7: I've recently experienced two friends who have done it, um, which is very troublesome. I put myself out there as someone you could talk to, you could have a conversation with, because of what I've been through.
5: And DJ Khaled is fired up as he joins Happy Hour on this week's episode of Revolt's Drink Champs. Anybody
0: act up, I let another f***ing Drake go. Mm-hmm. And I let a Jay-Z go. Mm. Anybody act up, I put another anthem on the f***ing head top so fast. I've been doing this s*** for 17, 18 years consistently. Right. I am Summer. Right. right. All right? <laughs> no, 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 I ain't.
7: My bad, I ain't worried to start off like
1: Switching to our global headlines, beginning with Brittany Griner and the movement on the prisoner swap to bring her home from Russia. That tops our coverage of black all over the world.
5: We have repeatedly called for Russia to release her immediately.
1: Brittany Griner's legal team is taking the next steps to file an appeal for her narcotics conviction. Meanwhile, the Biden administration continues to fight for her release.
7: I want to apologize to my teammates,
4: my club, GIMCA, the fans, in the city of ECAT, for my mistake that I made and the embarrassment that I brought onto them. I hope that uh, President Biden and everyone um, in the White House can do whatever they need to do to carry out.
1: What is unclear is when the appeal will be heard. In the midst of the geopolitical tug of war, diplomats confirmed that Russia is opening up about the pending prisoner exchange, and Greiner could be home sooner than expected.
6: I pressed the Kremlin to accept the substantial proposal that we put forth on the release of Paul Whelan and Brittany Greiner. <laughs>
1: Next stop, we head to Panama as we dive into what is behind the largest protests in the country since the fall of their dictator Manuel Noriega in
6: 1989.
1: The rise in fuel costs, unemployment, and a lack of medical supplies have demonstrators hitting the streets and urging the government to take action. They are also demanding political reform and increased funding for education.
7: We always have to protest and raise our voice against our authorities because this little country where we live is
1: rich. President Cortizo and his administration addressed concerns and stated they will find solutions to ease the pain of their citizens.
4: When we have difficult times, we have a lot of opportunities. And when I heard Mr. Mauricio today say, Panama is the right place to be, I agree with him.
1: (laughs) Tensions remain high as negotiations are underway to address the blockage of access to goods. The stall resulted in the Pan American Highway, which ultimately cost the country millions in losses and shortages. Kenya's Deputy President William Ruto has won the country's presidential election. Now to Kenya, where election results rolled in, declaring the so-called hustler-in-chief William Ruto as the nation's fifth president. He received 51 percent of the votes.
7: My gratitude also goes to the people of Kenya, the millions who listened to us, the millions who participated in our campaigns peacefully the millions who turned up to vote.
1: Some are hoping Ruto will bring change, while others protested and stormed the stage of the main tallying center in Nairobi.
6: The figures announced by Mr. Chibukati are null and void. point.
7: Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about?
1: Odinga, who has run for president for almost 25 years, is now rejecting Ruto's victory and is currently seeking to file a petition to fight. We totally and without reservations reject the, pre- the presidential results
6: announced yesterday by Mr. Chibukat.
1: If the efforts fail, Ruto will be sworn into office and plans to reconcile with the political parties in hopes of getting the country to work together. Next, we head to Sierra Leone as more protesters are taking to the streets of Freetown, bringing light to the rise of inflation and police brutality. Growing violence between security officers and citizens led to a recent anti-government protest. Six police officers and at least 21 civilians have been killed during the demonstrations. The country is currently under a nationwide curfew.
0: Government yeah, declares a nationwide curfew with effect from today, Wednesday, 10th August,
7: 2022, commencing at 3 p.m.
1: Stay with us, there's more Revolt Black News Weekly straight ahead, including our heated conversation on who has the license to use the N-word. You have a lot of black people on your channel. You like black music, probably. So as long as the person isn't saying it with malicious intent, I'm personally okay with anybody saying it. That was rapper Ruby Rose trending for giving permission to people who are not black to use the N-word. Welcome back. Now, we're having a hard conversation about the use of the N-word and who has license to use it. So is it okay for non blacks to use the word? Let's get into it. Here with us today, the conscious lead and entrepreneur and investor, Saw. Now Saw, I want to get right to you because in regards to rapper Ruby Rose's remarks, you posted a comment on social media that said, I'm from NYC, we don't care about that petty shit. If you stuck in slavery, that's your problem. That's a lot. Can you explain uh, your perspective?
7: Growing up in New York, we didn't really divide by color the way some places do in other states and other parts of America. You know, growing up in the projects, if you're poor, it didn't matter what color you were, we were poor. The white people that were poor with us, they didn't see themselves as better than, or we didn't see them as less than, or vice versa. So, I mean, the word, the N-word was just a cultural word. We didn't really attach it to color the way, you know, other other people do. So for us, it's just like, it's just a word of endearment. It's like, oh, you know, my N-word, my N-word, and that was it. We didn't really put too much too much sauce on it.
1: But what did you mean by when you said if you're stuck in slavery, that's your problem.
7: I look at it like this, like we're talking about a word, right? Like words or nouns, verbs, you know, it's not that serious. It's like, if you're giving that power to a word, then you're pretty much telling your oppressor, if that's how you think, that they can always revert back to that word to control you, right? So everyone knows as black people, we're, we're emotional people. So the minute you allow someone to, you know, use something as simple as a word, which, like any other word in the dictionary, the meaning is created based on the people that are using it, then it's, it's a mental slavery, at least some form of it.
1: Consciously, what are your thoughts on what you hear Saul saying?
7: Oh, out the
0: door, I'm going to say that's cap. Um, when it comes to language and understanding like rhetoric, we know that you cannot yell fire in a building. That's a word. Know what I'm saying? We talk about being able to evoke an emotion out of people, we recognize it is against the law to cause commotion and chaos with words. We recognize the president of the United States they run their campaigns based off of words. So for you to sit here and be like, hey man, for you to use the N-word let the oppressor do X, Y, and Z, that's cap. We recognize you feel me. Whether you say (laughs) you being from New York, I'm from Texas, you feel me? So peep game, when you say slavery in the plantation, I'm from down here. I still live on the plantation, you feel me? So if you let the white, non-black people say around you, recognize that anybody can say yeah. But freedom of speech, does not mean freedom of consequence. And you've been a from NYC, you know like I know. If a non-black person say the N-word around they don't know them, fam, be real,
7: cuz don't hit me with none of this. uh, What what what
0: what
7: What that means is that someone can use one word and they can trigger you to just jump out the window and just risk your freedom, lose your life. Um, I've already
0: preempted this argument by telling you, listen, you cannot go into a building and say fire because you recognize that causes
7: commotion. But you preempted the argument by saying the first two words of your speech was, that's cap. What is yes. cap in the dictionary? If you're using words in the scholarly way that they were intended to be used, that's cap is not a way to start a conversation. Hey,
0: hey, really hey, hey. And unfortunately, you talking to a whole educator and you can play those respectability politics that you do in business, but you come to conference League, you can't play those games. we talking about uh-huh. so, this is what you're doing right now. You uh-huh. just said anybody can say the word uh-huh. is the scholarly world, so you're giving everybody the credit that's how you can say but now you're trying to play me and saying scholarly words, man. Stop playing them games, bro. Stop playing them games.
1: So, Sa, I think one of the things, the issues is, is that we have to also understand the historical context of that word. And to just simply try to simplify it as being, you know, it's just a word. It's not just a word. It's a word that caused millions of people to be ostracized and lynched and, you know, all those kind of things that were dealt with during slavery and to suggest (laughs) that people are stuck in slavery because they don't want that racist term to be used by uh op- those people that come from our oppressors I th- that is cap so let me get to this okay little baby um obviously well-known rapper is not using the word anymore in some of his music and he's replaced the n-word with the word hitta simply because he does not like the fact that white people are in the audience singing his lyrics and they're using that word so freely so saul what are your thoughts on that
7: it's symbolism now, you just take, you're just removing the word and as if that's gonna make it like the meaning of what they're, what they're saying is not gonna change. Whether they were saying N-word or hitter, their intentions were the same when they were saying it. So it's like when YG made a song, my N-word, my N-word, it's like, yeah, the radio version plays my hitter, my hitter, but you'll never hear me say that when I, when I hear it. I know what the words are. It's my N-word, my N-word, that's it. And I'm only not saying it because trying to be politically, you know, sound. But that's the issue, though, my brother.
1: So obviously you think that, you know, basically it doesn't matter whether or not he changes the word consciously. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Um, in the world that, that's predicated off of meaning and symbols, um, I think that this man we're talking to is a entrepreneur. He's an investor. He deals with money. Money is literal fiat. It's symbols. So for him to get in here with his whole chest and say he don't care about symbols and play respectability politics, when you made that tweet and you say, "Hey, you on plantation and you this, you weren't thinking about respectability politics now." When well, now, when you stepping into me as an individual and you recognize I'm a little raw and I'm also scholastically. You want to now play respectability politics. I find that funny.
7: Your stance on it is your stance. At the end of hey, the day,
0: hey, would you debate me live? Would you debate me live? I'm like, know, I I'm from Brooklyn. I'm not afraid of
7: having any conversation with Let's anyone. do it. Let's no. do it.
1: All right, that was a fiery debate. Thank you, Consciously and Soft. And I hope you can schedule your debate on your own show, OK? When we come back, we reveal our Revolutionary of the Week. Before we go, we are shining a light on someone stepping out and making a mark on Black America and this week's Revolutionary of the Week.
2: We all live in this area and it's just so nice to see something like this happening over here because we don't see that over here in the east side that often. He just probably made us feel like we're the most important people right about now.
1: It was a kind gesture that surpassed miles and miles in the streets of Detroit. Devontae Sanford is now paying it forward, funding and providing $25,000 in free gasoline to women and seniors. In his words, the most vulnerable in the culture.
9: We're in tough times right now, so I'm just trying to do everything I can to try to give back and relieve some stress. You got to think about it. Like the elderly people, they got to pick between gas, rent, or they medicine.
1: But Devontae's mission to help his community goes beyond this very big act.
9: Take every opportunity you got to make some and to better yourself. Become more active and involved in your community, bro.
1: In 2017, Devontae started Innocent Dreams, a nonprofit to help young men in the black community have more access to mentorship and gang prevention resources.
9: Innocent Dreams is all about gang prevention, mentorship, violence prevention, job training, GED preparement. I'm trying to go out, get different resources, partner up with different people to take it back to the people that I know that need it and that would accept it.
1: In 2007, when Devontae was only 14, he was convicted of taking the lives of four individuals. However, Devontae pled not guilty, refusing a plea deal, citing lack of confidence in his legal team. His fate changed in 2016 when a Michigan State Police report identified two other men as the alleged killers. One of them, a hired hitman named Vincent Smothers, playing responsibility for the murders.
9: And I think another thing that needed to be tackled and, and spoke up upon is trauma, the type of trauma that the kids go through in the inner city, but also how to cope and deal with it and acknowledge the fact it's okay. Like, I, I did nine years in prison. But I was traumatized.
1: Devontae's conviction was overturned, which allowed him to go free. Earlier this year, he reached a $7.5 million settlement with the city of Detroit.
9: I think if there was some resources and funding gathered around... Trying to tackle the drug problem around the youth, I know for a fact, you will see a reduction in the violent crimes.
1: A breakthrough in the criminal justice system and an opportunity to pay it forward for others.
9: I want to tell my story to as many people as possible. I want to focus on my nonprofit, and I want to try to save as many people as I can.
1: Well, that does it for us. We'll see you next time. Stay safe.
6: an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off ba-da-ba-ba-ba